Hello, everyone. My name is Jeff Benjamin. This is the Investment News Podcast. I'm going solo this week because Bruce Kelly is on an assignment. Uh, We're talking today, or I'm talking today, with Nate Geraci, the founder and president of the ETF store. Uh, We got a really cool topic we're going to dig into this week. Uh, The single stock ETFs or single security ETFs. These things are just a few weeks old, the first ones out there, and there's a a really cool story behind them and we're going to have Nate uh, kind of guide us through, tell us where things are going. But first I want uh, I want Nate to maybe introduce himself and tell us, you know, what is this the ETF store? I know I've talked to you a number of times, but I still don't know if I can go there and buy like an ETF coffee mug or t-shirt. I don't know. Is that something you guys sell there or no? <laughs> well, first, uh, thank you for having me on today. It's uh, certainly a pleasure to be here. Yeah, so the ETF store is a registered investment advisory firm. We're based in Kansas City. Uh, We primarily work with retail clients and we offer all ETF portfolios, which we manage in-house. So uh, while we may have some mugs and some other uh, swag from the store that we offer, that's not the primary uh, business. All right. We got that cleared up. Thank you very much for that. So, Let's talk about these single security, single, I'm calling them single security because I wrote earlier uh, this week about, a, about a, one of these things that has uh, exposure to U.S. Treasuries. But the concept of a single stock, single security in an ETF, which is you know, an exchange traded fund, which suggests more than one of something underlying, I'm just going to kind of toss it over to you, Nate, to to give us the background here, where how did we get to this point, and then we're going to dig into how they work and you know who they work for. Yeah, I think that's an excellent starting point. So interestingly, these products have existed for quite a while in Europe, where regulators have tended to be much more open to innovation. I always like to say Europe is much more uh, like the Wild West when it comes to ETFs. They have all sorts of unique offerings over there, including spot crypto ETFs, which I won't get down uh, that path today. But as an example, there's an issuer called Leverage Shares who offers Mm -hmm. three times leverage Tesla ETFs. And they have a bunch of other products. They even have some offering five times leverage exposure. Uh, Granite Shares is also another big player there. So these have been around for a while overseas. And I think that U.S.-based ETF issuers have been uh, chomping at the bit to get these approved here, which is what we're starting to see now. And it's interesting, to to your point, here over the past few weeks, we're starting to see more of these come to market. So uh, as we record this today, there have been 16 single stock ETFs launched. There have been three single bond ETFs launched. And then there's actually another risk managed single stock ETF, which we can talk about, which is a little bit different than the, uh, the, the 16 single stock ETFs. But I'll, I'll just say one thing that is a little bit interesting to me here is how aggressive the SEC was in publicly bashing these products when they started launching a few weeks ago. So if you look at some mm-hmm. of the comments out there, uh, SEC Commissioner Crenshaw, she had a statement where She said that financial advisors would likely be breaching their fiduciary obligation by using these. 
there was a statement from Lori Schock, who's with the SEC's Office of Investor Education and Advocacy. She highlighted how risky these products are. Even uh, SEC Chairman Gary Gensler, he said that these products present unique and potentially significant risk to investors, yet the SEC let these come to market. So I found uh, all of this uh, very interesting, even a little bit contradictory, but nevertheless, here we are. Well, let's let's stay on that for a minute. Why? I mean, why would the SEC kind of speak out of both sides of their mouth with on this thing? They're they're the ones that decide whether or not these things can be allowed. Yet it doesn't seem like they even support it. At least some of the individuals at the commission. Yeah, it's an excellent question, and I think what was probably most telling here were the comments from Commissioner Crenshaw, where she specifically mm-hmm. referenced Rule 6C11, uh, the so-called ETF rule, and said that these single-stock ETF products uh, could come to market without any uh, commission vote and without any public notice or, or, or comment period. And that's exactly what happened. And I think she also alluded to the fact that you know she was hoping there would be uh, additional rulemaking around leverage and inverse ETFs prior to that, that they wanted to put in a more robust framework around these ETFs, but that had not been done. And so my understanding is these products uh, were effectively allowed to come to market using the ETF rule, and and that's where we are today. Okay, let's back up a little bit and talk about what these things really are. Why would you want an ETF with one stock in it when you could just go buy one stock? All right. Use whatever example you want. Tesla is probably a good place to start because there is a single stock ETF offering exposure to Tesla, correct? There is. So I I think what's important here is to take a step back and talk a little bit about how these work, because then I think that gets into some of the potential use cases. And the the way I'll explain this. And yeah, so so in a nutshell, these are pretty simple products. So these ETFs obtain their exposure by entering uh, into what are called swap agreements. They do this with financial institutions where these financial institutions, they agree to offer the given exposure through a contract. So if we use an ETF, uh, to to your point, offering, say, 1.5 times Tesla exposure, a financial, financial institution is agreeing to provide that return to the ETF on a daily basis. And of course, the institution on their end is going to go out and they're going to hedge that exposure. Um, now, mm-hmm. there is some counterparty risk here in that the financial institution could fail. But I, I just think it's important to point out, I think there's a very small risk for these ETFs. And even if a mm-hmm. financial institution failed for whatever reason, my understanding is the ETF would only be out uh, one day of return since these swaps are settled up daily. But that's it. These right. single stock ETFs hold swaps. And we, we can talk about the bond ETFs uh, as well in a minute, but that's the, the stock ETFs in a nutshell. So here's the thing. Um, the, the leverage and inverse products, the key point here is that these offer exposure for a single day. So let's say you mm-hmm. own a two times Nike ETF and Nike is up 1%. You should expect a return of 2% less the fees on any given day. If you own an inverse Tesla ETF and Tesla is down 1%, you should expect to be up 1%. The problem comes into if you hold these ETFs for longer periods of time. Because when you do that, you expose yourself to something called decay, uh, volatility decay, or, or what's called the effects of 
compounding. Mm-hmm. And w- without getting too far into the re- to, into the uh, weeds on math, uh, because unless we're sitting in front of an Excel spreadsheet where I can show this to you, it gets pretty wonky. But I always think the best way to, to, to think about this concept is simply that if you own an asset and it drops 10%, then you need an 11% return to get back to even, right? So if you own something and it has a price of 100 and it goes to 90, drops 10%, you need an 11% return on that 90 to get back to 100. You don't need a 10% return to get back to even, it's 11%. Now, if you start playing around with this and resetting exposure every day, day after day, with big swings in the underlying asset, and and then you add in leverage, you can see how the math of the situation gets pretty unwieldy in a hurry. Uh, But the, the reason I go through all that is the bottom line is the more volatile the underlying asset is and the longer it's held, the bigger difference in returns that you can see between what you might expect and what you'll actually get. Um, Mm -hmm. So so that gets us into the use cases. Who would use these and and why? Well, I think that investors who want to make tactical trades on single names, perhaps they're doing that around uh, earnings announcements or uh, big product releases or other major company news. If they want to day trade that, then these products will allow them to do that with a little extra added juice or, or play, you know, the inverse. Um, I could also see mm-hmm. a situation where, say, um, maybe somebody owns a large position in Tesla and that position is held in a taxable account. Well, maybe they want to put on a hedge for whatever reason. And so they might buy the inverse mm-hmm. Tesla ETF to accomplish that. But by and large, I think these are primarily tools for, for speculation. Um, now, I, I can certainly get into, you know, what, what is the pro here uh, in terms of, uh, of, you know, why use these? And to me, what it comes down to is the convenience factor in that mm-hmm. if an investor wants to short a stock or they want to buy a stock on margin, if they want to lever up or if they want to buy call or put options, to do that, they, they need to get approval from a brokerage. And there are costs involved with that, right? That isn't free. So if you're shorting a stock directly, you have borrowing costs. Uh, If you're buying on margin, which you have to have a margin account if you're going to short a stock too, but uh, you have margin interest you have to pay. And there Mm -hmm. is a subset of investors who just don't want to go through the hassle of all that. So these single stock ETFs make it easy. It's one click and boom, you have the exposure. And you can easily trade in and out of that exposure. So in my mind, convenience is really the key. couple things to to point out, though, that we're – it does sound nice if there's a specific stock you want to short or you feel super bullish about something you want to buy one of these levered ones but every stock in the universe is clearly not going to be out there we're talking about like a dozen right now or something like that and also these are these are very to me uh specific to a, a date and time as i think you said nobody should hold these things for more than a day right so Correct. I mean, what is, is this for like people with Robinhood accounts or something like that? Or is it, uh, you know, how many, how many people are going to, you know, retail investors are going to say, oh, I, I feel really good about this particular company today. And there just happens to be an ETF that's two time levered it. Yeah. And that's where my biggest concern comes in, because these are offering an easy button approach to levering up on single names or shorting single names. And while the, the, the crowd for this, the people who should be using this are sophisticated traders, 
who's mm-hmm. actually going to use these products is probably going to veer more to the retail investor side. And, you know, from my standpoint, I don't think the vast majority of investors and certainly not retail investors should even be thinking about touching these products. I could actually mm-hmm. make an intelligent case that most investors shouldn't even be dabbling in individual stocks, period, right? I mean, you look at all the data out there and it shows that it's extremely difficult to consistently pick individual stocks yeah. and outperform the market. Now we're offering leverage and inverse single stock exposure. In my mind, that does seem like a recipe for disaster. I want to jump over quick to the SEC. and the I did see the comments or the, the piece that was uh, the memo by uh, Commissioner Crenshaw I didn't see the other one that made a reference to a fiduciary violation. Do you can you can you understand why this these would be a fiduciary violation if an advisor used these? Well, I think again that's contradictory in that the SEC is approving these products and allowing them to come to market, but at the same time they're telling financial advisors that it would be a breach of their fiduciary obligation by using these. Um, now that that language was actually an SEC Commissioner Crenshaw's statement. Oh, okay. um, look, from my standpoint, should 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 most or should you know any advisory firm be using these in, cli- in client accounts? Probably not. But again, I, I did think it was contradictory that the SEC approved these products, but at the same time they're telling advisors don't use these, or you, you know you could breach your fiduciary obligation. So I, I, I view that as problematic. What about the fees? Are these things more expensive? I'm I'm assuming they're more expensive. They got swaps in them and stuff. Yeah. So if you look at the actual management fees or expense ratios on these ETFs, they're they're all somewhere in the neighborhood of about a percentage point, uh, mm-hmm. some a little bit more. I think it really comes down to the end investor in that if they were going to say short a stock directly through their brokerage account or if they have to pay margin uh, interest and those sorts of things, what does that cost structure look like? So I think there is a case to be made that for certain investors, this could be a, a more cost-efficient solution to, to uh, you know, achieve levering up on a single name or shorting a single name. The, the issue, though, comes back to the volatility decay and that if you hold this for longer than a day, you may have a meaningfully different investment experience than what you're expecting. And to me, right. that's going to be a much greater uh, concern than any fees you're paying on these ETFs. What do you see, what do you expect to see coming out of this? Do you expect to see a, just a whole host of these things? Is this a flash in the pan? Or are we going to see more and faster evolution like we've, we've already seen this? There's some uh, fixed income instruments that are in single security ETFs. I think the floodgates are going to open on these products. I think we're going to see all types of variations of both single stock and single bond products coming to market. Now, I think that the ones that will find the most success are going to be around higher profile names. So Tesla is a good example in that if you look at the uh, the Axis Tesla Daily Bear ETF, TSLQ, that's come out, that's doing pretty well. Last I checked, that has about 35, 40 million in assets. Only it has only been out for a few weeks, has good trading volume. So I think around some of the more popular names, uh, they're going to find a market. Um, I mentioned earlier that there's a, a risk-managed single-stock ETF. So Innovator ETFs is offering this product. The ticker symbol is TSLH. And what this does is on a quarterly basis, it offers the return of Tesla stock up to a cap, and then it protects against more than a, de- a 10% downturn. 
And I think right now the cap is around 9 or 10%. And again, this resets quarterly. It's using uh, options contracts, but it's a risk-managed way to play Tesla. And I could certainly see more of those types of products coming to market. You could see covered call strategies on single names coming to market. So, you know, it's funny. I in jest had said that we could see ETFs go from right now, there's about 3,000 U.S.-listed ETFs. By the end of the year, maybe we could have 4,000. Or five thousand, uh, just because you could see all all sorts of uh, y- you know deviations of these products uh, hitting the market. So I think it's there's going to be a lot out there. I'll, I'll add one thing that um, I have some concern around is if you look at the ticker symbols on the products that have come to market, these ticker symbols aren't that much different than the underlying stock that they're they're offering uh, exposure to. And yeah, I do worry that point. with the retail crowd in particular, this could cause some confusion. And people go, well, you know, retail investors or any investor smart enough to look at the ticker and know what they're investing in. There are countless examples out there of investors confusing one company with another uh, mm-hmm. because of similarities among the, the, the ticker symbols. So that is a concern that as we see the, the market flooded with these products, there's confusion around the, uh, the ticker symbol. So I think that's an important item to point out. But, uh, you know, last week, as you mentioned earlier, we saw the first single bond ETFs come to market. And yeah. those could be appealing to a certain segment of investors. So the, the bottom line is I expect to see a lot of launches in the space. Uh, certainly, they're not all going to make it, but I think there are going to be some products that are popular, primarily with the retail crowd. I can understand a lot of launches, but would you expect these funds to grow in size in any way? Because if people are only in them for a day... How do they ever build to any kind of real size? I think what you're going to see, though, is pockets of money moving from product to product, just like you do in the existing leverage space, where if somebody wants to play what's happening in commodities or they want to play what's happening with FANG stocks or name your market, you'll see money move around uh, to whatever is perceived as the hot area. I think that's what we're going to see here. Uh, Again, it's it's. And, you know, unfortunately, I think it's going to be a lot of retail money, as I've mentioned previously, that's moving into these products. But no, I think there's, for better or worse, there's going to be an audience uh, for these. I wonder if now that these things are out there, if we couldn't see something that is not a single stock, but like a hyper concentrated ETF with, let's just say somebody wants to do American automakers or something, Ford, GM, and Chrysler, Chrysler's even still around, or you know what I mean, and and like just taking a, a concentrated slice of a sector. Not that they would even have to be levered or shorted, but it could be you know you know the ETF space. They come up with a new thing every day. Yeah, depending upon how the fund is structured, there are diversification requirements in a 40 act fund. And so there are some limitations in terms of what ETF issuers can do, again, depending upon how the product is structured. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, I I always say uh, the ETF industry is the Silicon Valley of asset management and Mm -hmm. ETF issuers are constantly in the lab cooking up new products and and looking for ways to to bring innovative solutions to markets. They're They're gonna press the envelope here. And, uh, and, and you know, try to bring unique offerings, and some of these are going to be more concentrated. Well, uh, would you or 
Do you plan on using any of these single uh, security ETFs? Not a chance. <laughs> really? Uh, we're going to stick to our we're going to stick to our well diversified portfolios. Uh, you know, again, look, I, I come back to the the fact that these are really very tactical tools for mm -hmm. sophisticated investors. And I know that sounds cliche. That's the tagline that everybody has out there, but that's really who should be using these. People who are mm -hmm. professional day traders that understand the risks here. They understand the volatility decay in the products. They understand just the risk of being in a levered single name or having inverse exposure to a name that could pop. And they're looking to play that. Pretty much everybody else should stay away from these. Now, on the single yeah. bond ETF side, that's a little bit of a different story. The single bond ETFs, and we can certainly talk more about those, that could have an audience uh, among the advisory crowd and, and could be something that makes sense for, for certain advisors and, and to be held in a, a, a longer term portfolio. And then the innovator risk managed ETFs, you could certainly make a case that those could be more of a, a buy and hold uh, strategy as well. But in terms of just the, the leverage and inverse single stock ETFs in and of themselves, I don't think, again, most investors should be touching those. Well, let's let's talk about the single security. The, it's uh, the ETF that is U.S. benchmark series from FM Investments that has exposure to the 10-year treasury. Uh, one is the two-year treasury and one is the uh, three-month T-bill. Can you walk us through how those are a little bit different than the single stock ETFs? Yeah, these are interesting. So these products only hold a single treasury security. These all hold what are called on-the-run treasuries, which simply means these are the most recent uh, issued treasuries for a particular tenor or, or targeted year. And that's all they hold. So I think it's important to note these are not defined maturity bond ETFs. Uh, such as are offered through uh, iShares like the iBonds or, or Invesco with the bullet shares. These will roll exposure so they always hold the most recently issued treasuries in a particular tenor. I view these as offering uh, very precise exposure to the treasury yield curve. And that could be appealing to certain investors versus owning a basket mm -hmm. of treasuries where the maturities and the duration may move around a little bit. So these ETFs will actually provide a, a consistent maturity. And the yields that you see when you, you turn on the TV, you turn on CNBC or Bloomberg, and somebody references the 10-year treasury yield at a certain level, that's what you're getting with these particular products. And I think that precision will be attractive to a, a certain segment of investors. Now, you know, another use case, you could uh, obviously try to play the yield curve steepening or flattening, let's say shorting the two-year ETF and, uh, and buying the 10-year if you think the curve is going to flatten and those sorts of things. So I still think that these are more tactical tools overall, but I could see some advisors and investors who want this very precise exposure holding these longer term. And mm -hmm. these aren't going to present the risks because we're not dealing with leverage and, and inverse exposure that I mentioned with the single stock ETFs. So you could see yourself allocating to some of these? For our advisory firm in particular, I don't know that these are a fit, but I could certainly see some advisors using these if they wanted that, that again, very precise exposure. Okay. Unless you have some other epiphany on single security ETFs, Nate, I think we're going to let you get back to the ETF store. Uh, 
really good stuff. Yeah, anytime. I think we did a good job of covering really all of the uh, the key points here. So I think good questions mm-hmm. and yeah. covered a lot of ground. So no, I appreciate it. Yeah, I, well, I appreciate you coming on. So uh, Nate Geraci, president of the ETF store, which is a place not to get your ETF t-shirts and coffee mugs, but to get uh, financial advice. He's a registered investment advisor, folks. Thank you very much, Nate. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it. All right, folks. Well, that was another good episode of the Investment News Podcast. Uh, Thanks for being here. I want to thank our producer, Angelica Hester. I also want to say that uh, next week, Bruce will be back, and we will be talking to Joe Duran, head of Goldman Sachs Personal Financial Management. It's going to be a good one, so uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. 